Hi, everyone, and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of teaching and learning. I'm Ryan Rudzeski, here with Greg Baer. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. On today's episode, we're talking with Sana Joffrey, Executive Director of the Chicago Learning Exchange, and Michael Stone, Vice President of Innovative Learning at the Public Education Foundation in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Sana, Michael, welcome to Remaking Tomorrow. We are so excited to have you both here. You are doing extraordinary work, and we think the world of you. You're both leading work in two very different parts of the country, Chicago, Illinois, and Chattanooga, Tennessee. And we're excited to bring you together because in lots of ways, you're trying to accomplish the same thing, which is to help learners in your communities thrive in this digital age. Plus, you're partners in Remake Learning Days across America, something we'll get to a little later on. And you're both thinking about things like equity and justice and innovation and opportunity. And before we dig in, we want to help our listeners understand what it is that each of you are doing in the respected places where you reside. So, Sana, let's start with you. Tell us, what is the Chicago Learning Exchange, and how do you describe its role in the Windy City? Before I tell you what, I think I want to start with the why. In 2020, we all experienced that education is not confined to one institution. Diverse places of learning exist in every community, but the connective tissue making that vibrant ecosystem does not. In Chicago, we're trying to change that, and we're thinking about how we can connect youth to opportunities for a fast-changing world, very similar to Remake Learning. Chicago Learning Exchange, CLX, acts as that connective tissue network weaver, or simply in nonprofit terms, that intermediary for 200 primarily out-of-school-time youth-focused organizations who are united to advance racial equity and experiential hands-on learning. So, Sana, you are connecting hundreds of organizations, schools, museums, libraries, other sites of learning, and the adults as well as the young people in these settings in some extraordinary ways. Can you tell us about some of the specific things that you're doing at the exchange to bring that about as you focus on innovative and just focused learning? I think primarily most of our work is actually convening the adult network of youth-serving organizations, education leaders and mentors through communities of practice, including topics like anti-racist pedagogy, youth voice and digital activism, and racial equity in computer science and computational thinking. So we're convening educators so that they can have continuous improvement in their practice and serving young people. In 2020, we held like weekly convenings because there was so much need to just think about how do we support youth through transitioning to virtual programming. And we also had topic-based programming around anti-racist pedagogy. What does that mean in the moment of Black Lives Matter? What does justice mean? How do you support young people in making sense of this world? It's really challenging, it's not easy, but our ethos is that we come together, we create the space and magic happens when we bring bright minds together to collaborate and connect about how they can better do that. And Sana, before we turn to Michael, how have you seen those mindsets unfold, particularly during this pandemic and these times that we find ourselves in where we're wrestling with so many fundamental questions? How are the adults in these learning settings maybe changing their mindsets or approaching their work differently? Traditionally, most education is focused on content, right? Like what is it that a kid needs to learn? It's math, science, et cetera. And I think this shift, you know, still an emphasis on content, but more an emphasis on connection before content. 
So like, what are those developmental and meaningful relationships that we need to foster, especially when folks are literally disconnected, you know, maybe they don't have internet, or maybe they don't have the same type of opportunities to connect with a trusted adult. The emphasis on connection and relationships has been really transformative. And I hope that that's something that we'll see in tomorrow. Michael, what about you? Can you tell us about the Public Education Foundation, also called PEF Chattanooga? What exactly does PEF do, and how does your role as Vice President of Innovative Learning fit in? Like Sana, I think so much of the work that we do at the Public Ed Foundation in Chattanooga is really deeply rooted in our why. For us, we like to say we have a single goal, a single purpose, and it's that every student can succeed. We leverage innovative ideas community partnerships, and long-standing relationships with teachers, with principals, and families to transform the education and lives of our community's children, and especially those children in our community who experience poverty and have experienced discrimination. That plays out a number of ways. We do work across a number of domains or, or categories, part of our organization that's deeply dedicated to providing unique experiences and wraparound supports for students who will be the first in their family to go to college. We have another bucket of work where we focus our energy around teacher development, specifically new teacher development through a unique teacher residency model. It's called Project Inspire, provides a pathway for adults to transition from careers into teaching with a specific focus on preparing those teachers to thrive and succeed in schools that serve our most at-risk communities. And then we also do a lot of work in data and research to make sure that as we're working, we've got a research team with a unique data sharing agreement with our local school district in the state that allows us to really make informed decisions as we provide tailored supports for students and teachers. And then finally, I lead a small team in our innovation hub that works with teachers, principals, and the school district to reimagine learning. We have done some work with Dr. Gary Steger, and we've adopted this mindset that we want to reimagine education as a space where deep learning occurs as a natural consequence of rich experience. So we're constantly looking to work as a bridge that connects partners from both inside of school, outside of school, in such a way that we can keep cultivating these rich experiences that students sort of can't avoid uh, deep learning. But all of it, it's, it's tied through this lens of equipping teachers, principals, school leaders to be able to cultivate environments where students have these rich experiences. Sana and Michael, you both started with your why, which we appreciate so much. You're just doing such extraordinary work in both Chicago and Chattanooga. I think all of us here in Pittsburgh think of you as really close cousins um, <laughs> involved in a similar journey. And whether on our good days or bad days, you know, we often get caught up in words like redesign, reinvention, reimagine. You know that for us here in this corner of the world, we talk about remaking learning. So if you'll forgive me using that phrase, what would it look like if learning were remade in Chicago or Chattanooga? Michael, can we turn to you first, please? I think it's really important that we bring in an asset-based frame and avoid sort of deficit thinking about education in our community. Historically, our community has at times thrived, at other times struggled to provide equitable access to high-quality public education. I don't want to suggest that we've cracked that nut and are just absolutely knocking it out of the park right now. But we have a wave of positive moments that sort of come together through community effort that really started probably 10 or 15 years ago and continues to evolve today. We're seeing increases in, in traditional metrics like student achievement and teacher effectiveness scores at the state level. But I would say at least as importantly, perhaps more importantly, when we think about a frame for remaking learning in our community, 
increasingly, it's about educating the whole child, understanding the unique needs across the different contexts in our community. Our, our community is rich with diversity. We're a very large school district. It's a county-based school district. Geographically, we're bigger than the entire state of Rhode Island. We have schools in our district that are in very rural communities. We have a suburban population. We have urban populations. There are cultural components at each school that the leaders in those schools better understand than anyone else. But the teachers and principals in those schools, the families that make up those schools, understand that context more than any large-scale, broad data point or, or meta-analysis can provide. So we appreciate the research because it provides insight that, that gives us direction. But at the implementation level, increasingly, as we've worked with Remake Learning, uh, with the Remake Learning Network, and learned more about what this work looks like and tried to bring these kind of remade experiences to our students, increasingly, it's about providing those experiences that are specifically tailored to the students and families. So they're relevant for the students in the specific context that they're experiencing education or experiencing learning. It is so much about a mindset about what that learning landscape looks like, how we support it, and how students and learners and their families engage in it and feel like they belong and can participate robustly. Sana, as you think about reimagining, redesigning, remaking learning in Chicago, what will that look like for you and your community? Piggybacking off of what Michael just said, things that really stood out to me were just like alternative outcomes. So like we think about outcomes for young people in terms of traditional measures, but what if those outcomes were around belonging, self-love, cultural plurality, and dignity-affirming learning, where young people really do feel whole. So it's not just about like how they did in school, but like how they get to be in the world. And intergenerational lifelong learning. We all know that learning doesn't stop when you turn 18 or 21. So what do we think about supporting young people to remember that it's a lifelong journey that we hope that they'll be on? More specifically, there are kids whose parents and families or support structures are already helping them. But how do we drive equity in that conversation? And in particular, our vision of equity means marginalized and minoritized people and youth, including women, girls, BIPOC students, neurodiverse learners, LGBTQI youth are celebrated, elevated, and whole. Sana used a term I really like, alternative outcomes. And I think if you talk to parents, if you talk to educators, and especially if you talk to students, those alternative outcomes, belonging, self-love, those are going to resonate. It's what we find important. But I'm curious because historically, those alternative outcomes aren't the things that we've focused on in education. Can you give us a few specific examples of how educators in Chicago, for example, are nurturing belonging and self-love, those alternative outcomes you mentioned earlier? Chicago Public Library actually has a partnership with Museum Lab and the Children's Museum in Pittsburgh around piloting alternative outcomes for youth. I think the challenge with alternative outcomes is that those outcomes can become formulaic when some of it is beyond a formula. So I think that those are challenging but exciting opportunities. Just in micro examples, just the social emotional learning check-ins, understanding that young people are dealing with immense mental health stress as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic as adults are as well. How do we make sure that young people are showing up to class or wherever it is that they're showing up? in a way that acknowledges what they're going through and helps them through that process. You know, as I'm thinking about what we're doing collectively in Chicago, in Chattanooga, in Pittsburgh, and elsewhere to remake learning 
We want students who know, experience, and believe in their brilliance in abundance and are supported with abundance. This is Greg Baer along with Ryan Rudzeski. We're talking with Sana Joffrey, Executive Director of the Chicago Learning Exchange, and Michael Stone, who's the Vice President of Innovative Learning at the Public Education Foundation in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So in May of this year, 2021, you and your organizations represented your cities in Remake Learning Days across America. For our listeners who might be unfamiliar, Remake Learning Days is a festival of innovative learning for families and learners alike. It started here in Pittsburgh in 2016. It has since expanded nationally. And so in May, Remake Learning Days across America took place in 17 cities and regions across the United States with pop-up events in places as far away as Christchurch, New Zealand. Sana and Michael, can you tell us first of all about the events that you and your organizations hosted or helped to host as part of this year's festival? What was available to families and how did families and kids react to those opportunities? Michael, let's start with you. So we were excited to get to be a part of Remake Learning Days across America. And certainly this year's festival presented new and unique uh, opportunities and challenges as we navigated for the first time virtual events and in-person events and hybrid events. But it really speaks to the power of community locally as we reflect on Remake Learning Days across America. It was really an exciting time. We had a wide range of partners. In fact, it was our most diverse range of partners in our community that participated this year that we've ever had. That was partners ranging from our downtown public library to community libraries to a large partnership with all the youth and family development centers, our community's recreation centers across the Tennessee Valley, both in Chattanooga and beyond. Worked with a couple of local organizations, one that brings puppetry to kids to shore up like socio-emotional well-being and to help students practice mindfulness. Our Chattanooga Theater Center participated. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention we still had our largest contributors that hosted events, public school teachers. For teachers who, at the end of a year of navigating online school and all the challenges that came with the pandemic, were still eager to sign up and say, no, learning is different today than it was 20 years ago. I want our community to get to experience what our students are getting to experience in the classroom, whether that's in person or virtually. And they were able to host all kinds of really cool experiences. Sana, what about you? Can you tell us about some of the events that took place on the ground or perhaps online in Chicago? It was definitely different, so we had to adjust to the times. We had hybrid events, in-person events, and we had online-specific events. So we thought about literal connection to youth and family opportunities. We partnered with CompuDot, which is a nonprofit in Chicago focused on closing the digital divide through computer distributions, supported by MacArthur Foundation. We held a computer distribution drive in four communities, Austin, West Garfield Park, Roseland, and Back of the Yards. And we were really excited about that. We had 250 computers distributed. So those are opportunities for families to be connected beyond Remake Learning Days. And we had an awesome youth-led event called Black Hole, Teen Voices at the Adler. So it was called Black Hole, but it was really talking about mental wellness in this time for young people and how it might feel like you're in a black hole. We had some awesome story time events with the Chicago Public Libraries. We had a local makerspace called Pumping Station One hold Welding 101. They also built a bridge that is living now at a local high school called Michelle Clark. So there were a lot of things that were started at Remake Learning Days and then continued. We also had really great responses about outdoor learning. So there was outdoor learning with the Field Museum, the Nature Park, the Chicago Park District Nature Museum that really brought young people and families out to participate in the future of learning. 
So when you think about something like Remake Learning Days across America or other celebrations that you do at the Chicago Learning Exchange and at the Public Education Foundation in Chicago and Chattanooga, respectively, how does that celebration fit into the vision of success about which you both spoke earlier? Sana, let's start with you. So we take racial equity and the future of learning like as our core compass and we operationalize it by thinking about those communities that are really in poverty or experiencing high incidence of violence and other things that have unfortunately been by design. And at the same time, we know that there's so many assets in those communities and how do we celebrate and lift up the learning places that exist in barbershops and museums and in libraries and schools and community centers. We fund the organizations that are working in certain communities. We offer micro stipends to organizations that are participating in hosting events in those communities. And that's how we actually are able to reach the youth and families that need it the most and deserve it the most. Currently and in the future, we've also invested in neighborhood hubs. How do we go deeper in certain communities to really support their efforts and lift them up? And we do that through partnerships with local organizations like Project Exploration. And I'm excited that we had our new Remake Learning Days festival leader, Christina Pei, was the former leader of the Northside Mini Maker Fair. So I was able to snag her away and really gearing up for thinking about 2022. In 2022, we're hoping to expand to five hubs. <laughs> love it, love it. You know, San, it's such a beautiful example you described. I mean, learning happens everywhere. And and there is community wisdom to lift up everywhere for all of our learners. Thank you. Michael, how about for you in Chattanooga? We try to capitalize in schools on what we call the contextual expertise. That is to say that people in their community know their community best. They know the needs in their community. So that's true in a community. But it's also true in a school. What Remake Learning Days allowed us to do, it really provided a catalyst in our community where we started convening partners that serve diverse communities, but really that are diverse partners, whether it's a government controlled entity like our youth and family development centers, public libraries, but even down to, to local mom and pops, to our parks and rec centers and to teachers. We had an event this year hosted by a mom. She just identified, we said, what are you as an organizer? She said, I'm a mom. <laughs> There's power in that, right? There's yeah. power in community. And I think what Remake Learning Days has done in our community, and it started a movement where leaders, not the people in power positionally, but people who affect change, whether they're in religious institutions or family members or teachers or business owners, leaders in the community are starting to look around and realize that when one of us are better, we're all better, that we have major opportunity when we tap into that collective communal goal. For us, as we work through Remake Learning Days and continue to do these sorts of festivals and events and use things like that to catalyze systemic change, in our community, the equity lens is baked in right from the beginning, that this isn't just a festival where you came together and said, okay, there's some cool stuff. If you have means and privilege, go over there where you do that and enjoy that. No, it said instead, not even are we going to design for communities that maybe have been disenfranchised or haven't been beneficiaries because of lack of equity in the past. Instead, we're designing with. We intentionally make space at the table, not that the festival serves particular communities, but is designed with particular communities. And, and in Chattanooga, that really meant we designed with communities across the entire spectrum. And it really helped us blur some lines that had been pronounced in our community in the past. And we're excited about what that looks like in the future. Thank you, Michael. Not only does learning happen everywhere, but leadership happens everywhere if you look for it and you welcome it. Michael, how can people find out more about the work of the Public Education Foundation in Chattanooga? 
Probably the easiest way is through our website at www.pefchattanooga.org. Great. And what about you, Sana? How can people find out more about the Chicago Learning Exchange and its work? You can follow us on social media if you want to do real time at CLX Change. And our website is at chicagolx.org. We have a monthly newsletter. If you want to hear the scoop of what's going on in Chicago and stay abreast, please sign up at chicagolx.org. Sana and Michael, before we go, we have just one more question, please. And Sana, I'll turn to you first, if I may. What's one thing that parents and educators can do today to make tomorrow a more promising place for every learner? We lost a giant in the academic world, Mike Rose, and I read his work when I was in college and it really spoke to me. And I think the work that he did is still true today in thinking about how we can channel the intelligence of all kinds of learners and how educators and parents can support the intelligence of all young people. I love that sonnet. Michael? First, come together. And second, specifically come together to continue to develop and provide opportunities for students to discover and cultivate their passions. Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning, a Pittsburgh-based network of people and organizations that ignite engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. Learn more at remakelearning.org slash tomorrow.